Evening, Mr. Finley. Mr. Finley, how are you? Good, good. All right. Guess we're a little loud in the mix there. Sorry. That's okay. I think um, our sound guy will take care of that. That's right. I think um, I think Federico Fellini Uh must have had stock. This is something I thought about when we were watching these films. Uh In a sunglasses manufacturing company. Because everyone, it was the coolest fucking place to be on the planet, dude. I forgot how cool Italians are. Oh fuck, man, they're so cool. I'm used to Italian Americans, which, which, which are fine. Yeah, they're not cool. They're yeah. kind of they're kind of terrifying. What's you up to? But the, I'm talking the little Alfa Romeros and ah, sunglasses, great ah. suits and skinny ties. Yeah, my chabella, man. <laughs> fucking the life, man. We're gonna have some life. Do you want some spaghetti? Go to my house yeah. at night and have some spaghetti. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Come on, but, that line is from one of the movies, dude. It's go to my house and have some spaghetti. We're going to her house to have spaghetti at night. Well, it's fucking and and but everyone's wearing sunglasses at all times. Yes, sir, man. Fuck yeah. Me. Also, it, go ahead. Future so uh, the, the 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 far horizon is still on fire from World War Two. They they need. Uh, the I guess so. Well, they're kind of collaborators, aren't they? Uh, toward us. Forty three. I don't know. I think. I think at like some point there was uh, there's this one guy made a comment about it, like during the middle of the war of like the idea of like trying to explain to some Italian hermit who had no idea what was going on why uh, Italians were fighting with Germans and Americans against each other. Yeah. Like, it, no, it, it's it was an it was a it was a mess of a country at the end of that war, and okay. we get the benefit of it. I think a couple decades later, with the work of Federico Fellini. Federico, you know, but the, I think we also I think we made a, a, a an error. No. In this episode, and and uh, here's what I think it is. Starting. It's it's why we should yeah, <laughs> it's why we should probably go back and do another Federico Fellini episode, and that's that we decided on films that were totally in his surreal bonkers period, right? And nothing from before when he was sort of um, just movie making in the natural sense. We decided to go. We decided to go full Kubrick. <laughs> we went total. Yeah, because Fellini is. Um, like if you list, like he to me always belongs in that group of people that you people who've never seen his film still use him as a metaphor. That's like a Fellini film. Well, I gotta say right? this, man. I watched it while watching these things. I felt ashamed of all the times I've used Fellini esque without really knowing what the fuck I was talking. Well, about. Well, but also the thing is about Fellini, what makes him particularly good for that metaphor. So you're sort of covered even if you've never seen a film of his. Is that like like if you watch a, a Bergman film or a Jules Dessant film or, or any of those sort of like you know European auteur filmmakers um, you will say to yourself at some point ah it'd be interesting to go back and approach this in an academic way Mm. with Fellini you kind of have to sort of decide to (laughs) approach it in some weird academic way to begin with otherwise you'll go crazy which you might anyway I don't know I think at the same time you might you just why not? There's the other part of it, which is just open your heart and let this goddamn thing in, you know? Yeah, I, I guess you're right. And I don't, I don't mean to squeeze the heart out of it because we'll talk about how much heart there is. There's there. a joy to be had. There's definitely a joy in the Fellini crazy. films. Okay. The goddamn Fellini films. Uh, so I got to say, like, before we get to go much further, I yeah. got to say, I kind of avoid I have actually sort of avoided Fellini for decades. Why is that? Now. In the fear that he was never going to leave, he couldn't possibly live up to the legend that I was hearing. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then obviously, you know, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but myself, but um, 
the, the it's so clear it's embarrassingly clear that some of my favorite directors of all time just <laughs> swiped <laughs> from him a whole Holy cloth man. Shot. Wes yeah. Anderson go hide your head uh, well Woody Allen obviously uh, Woody Allen too yeah of course well, well okay so so we decided to start with 1960s La Dolce Vida the sweet life it's a sweet life Tommy well, I thought it sounded like something you put on ice cream it's a little, little like bit a of little a Dolce Vita yeah. on top of the ice cream a rum raisin with a little Dolce Vita on top please <laughs> Uh, is this racism? I do not know. I'm making a puppet right now. Ah, I got no time for this. Making a puppet, all right. I'm cobbling shoes. Oh no, put away the puppet, Pipeen. <laughs> I'm stealing a bicycle. We're oh. gonna make a movie about me. Oh shit, that's okay. Okay, so um, <laughs> La Dolce Vita. Right, <laughs> nowhere. Yeah, not at all. It was great though. Okay, La, Dol- La Dolce Vita. Okay, so look, here's the thing with. with no, no, hold go ahead. With me. La Dolce Mita, Vita means. Mita is better. That's the porno. La Dolce Vita. I've had that dream. Mm-hmm. Um, La Dolce Vita means roughly the good like the sweet the, life the sweetness of life or the, yeah. yeah that kind of thing yeah okay okay so i mean it's an interesting well look here's the thing it seems to me that his films have a running theme mm-hmm. well first of all and a running actor well for yeah martello mastriani mastriani right yeah but it, but whoever it is it's that it's going to be episodic mm-hmm. his films are episodic it involves the same sort of character. You know, this kind of harkens back to the Chayesky thing, sort of like like um, a character in crisis, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And whatever the crisis is, it's just sort of examining and re-examining the nature of the crisis, or trying to figure out the answer to the crisis in all of the different episodes. Right, in all of the different episodes, and ultimately in all the different ways. We'll get to that more in the second movie. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, no, it's just yeah, it's just. All these, all these different episodes. It, it is, it is like you say. It's episodic, in, in a sense. Yeah. It's um, mm. oh fuck. What's You're uh, quoting the best, Tommy? It's like Winesville, Ohio. Uh huh. In that sense, it's mm-hmm. like the episodic novel situation, right? Yeah, I guess it's so. The story of this guy. It shows his. It has character growth, which is a standard of movies, but it's not. The growth. Well, I don't even know what the growth linear. is. It's not linear. At it all. is not linear, That's and it might be thing. backwards. <laughs> this guy and might be growing <laughs> backwards. <laughs> And it's not. It's it's clearly unclear why certain episodes, like how they connect, right? Until they finally connect, and even then, it's sort of strange. Anyway, we're not doing this any service. So, well, so go I, ahead. I, I did read something about it too, which mm. is that Fellini. One of the things he was trying to do with this movie in particular yes. was capture what he thought was sort of the essence of Rome at that time. The essence of there was Rome. kind of a weird madness in the. There was like there's just like this weird surrealistic madness in the air, and people like uh, people will like oh well he did this and he showed this on his film, but uh-huh. these are things he actually saw in Rome on the ground. So I guess so. So he just wanted to capture that and that essence, that, that sort of meaty, fucking roiling essence that is Rome at that I, time. Let period. me dumb it down for a second, by the way, okay. because there's another issue I you think is, is relevant, <laughs> and that's that, um, like how absurd a situation is is never exactly clear to me when I'm watching a foreign film. I mean, I know that Fellini is an absurdist and a surrealist. I totally, that didn't pass me by. Right. But I'm saying, like, the characters within each of these episodes, or some of them who stretch across episodes Mm -hmm. in the Dolce Vita, I'm not exactly sure to what level over the top they are, given that there's a translation issue. Right. A a cultural translation issue, of course. A cultural, yeah. So so we have this this character who's who's like a... a, By the uh, way, I just want to point out, just just also just as a little aside, not only do we have Mastriani throughout these these, both of these films, but we also have this cavalcade of 
extremely attractive Italian women, some of which can be just are almost interchangeable from each other. Some of them are Italian, but all, well, that's true. And also, and then the, they're a little they hard are, to tell apart sometimes. Well, then you also have the English and the Swedish sort of Whoa. like counterpoints, right? Mm, yeah. Okay, so so he is um, a journalist, like a paparazzi. He's literally like, paparazzi. Literally? Yeah, he he's is. He's a paparazzi. He's not fucking around. Snap, crack like, paparazzi. Like his best friend runs around with a camera and his name is Paparazzo. He's a paparazzo. Come, come here, take a picture. I'm going to write a little song. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so, so, um, <laughs> so it starts off with a very, very odd scene where he and his fellow paparazzi are in a helicopter and they're carrying... The Virgin, a statue of the Virgin Mary around Rome. Well, okay, no, a helicopter is is carrying a statue of the Virgin Mary well, he's in across it. Rome to. No, he's in the following one. He's in. He's, oh, there's, right, there's yeah. two helicopters. No, you're right. Sorry. And he's covering the event as they're delivering the statue to I the Pope. Yeah, and then he to tries the, to on, on obviously a Sunday. And, and so, well, here's the thing. I'd like to think it's a Sunday, or maybe just everybody in fucking Rome sunbathes all the time. I it don't could know. be. So he's flying overhead, and the first thing, the, I think, the kind of sort of awkward introduction to his womanizing, his his sort of um, his juvenile attitude and behavior is that he tries to to solicit um, the phone number of of the sunbathers from the helicopter. Right. Yes. Of course. So so. <laughs> So uh, it's it's a series of things that happen that are not particularly meaningful or conclusive by themselves or strung together in any logical sense. No, but it's much. tonal. So like so like some okay, of the things tonal. that happen in in whatever order we can remember it um, would be um, he he meets a woman who's he's attracted to he sleeps with her he sleeps with her by um, those two, them picking up a prostitute for the purpose of just using the prostitute's place right. outside of Rome, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, the sort of like the rural urban sort of discussion begins with that woman. She perf- she's tired of Rome. He can't get enough of Rome. Right. He goes back to his place. Uh, we understand that he actually has a fiance that he lives with who's who's um, taking pills because she's tired of his philandering ways. Right, he's, of his being an Italian male. Yeah. Which which then of I course in a Fellini world means. <laughs> Shut up, Tom. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I get both sides of this argument. Okay. So, so of course, that sets us up for, of course, then he's going to always be in a compromising situation with women. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's going to enjoy being in a compromise. And he's going oh, to philander. Like, most constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And there's all this sort of, like, okay, so so I don't know immediately. There, It's hard to dislike him. Oh, no. He is... Well, he is likable. He is likable, and he's, he's kind a of shithead. De- he's likable in his own detestability. Like, yeah. Not only is he a shithead in like the standard ways, he's also sort of morally a coward, and that comes through a lot. In that he won't actually sort of face it and sort of sort of just be make who a the declaration fuck he is and do or do what he wants because he has to, to go back and tell tell the fiance out. No, no, I love you forever. No, yeah. I would never. But he can't help but being drawn. Right. Absolutely. So there's like, 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 yeah, like a moth of the flame. Oh, I'm glad I came up with that fucking meta, that image. He's also got a friend um, outside of not a paparazzi, but a friend who's a kind of a philosopher. Well, like, but now understand, Mastriani is the character at one point wanted to be a serious writer. This guy yeah. represents that. He is a serious writer and an intellectual. But it's interesting because you know you see this guy, this intellectual who's a serious writer, as the sort of moral anchor, the possibility for Mastriani, right? But he's also completely flawed 
as it turns out. Oh, it turns out very flawed. As, He's very flawed, and everything. I think a point. At one point, we just come to like everything's just flawed. Everything is just flawed in this in this world of Fellini's. His mm-hmm. father is flawed. You know, he he meets his father after a long time, and it turns out his father just wants to fuck a bunch of you, like as many young women as he can get his his champagne soaked hands in, and, and that's it. That's and, all Dad wants, and that he can give a fuck about his son. <laughs> and we get this ridiculous Swedish actress. What's is she's, it Anita Ekberg? But no, she's Anita Ekberg. She's but she plays. I think she doesn't. She play an American actress. Yeah, yeah, but she's she is Swedish. To, is what I'm she's saying. Swedish, and but yeah. she looks in. She's supposed to be an American actress yeah. along the lines of uh, uh, you know uh, Marilyn Monroe, so ish. Yeah, and she has that glowy fucking blonde thing, like big time in space. And and also like you know, so he he ends up taking her out, and and they she swims semi nude in the the fountains of Rome, right? And the, she the has fountain. I think she has an actor sort of boyfriend who's drunk and pissed off, mm-hmm. and Mastrioni has has no sort of moral qualms about what the only sort of thing that ruins the evening is how annoying she yes, is yes. to his plans right so he's completely self-absorbed but he also to his credit he'll take a beating afterwards and just shrug it off like well of course people would beat me up why wouldn't they why beat wouldn't me? they i would too if i had any ball <laughs> that's right it's very much yeah absolutely so, so i mean it, it's very easy i think to to mistake this as a as a film that isn't examining any sort of moral ground hmm. but the way that it's examining it is almost purely tonal yeah I, okay I'll go you with know you what i'm saying that. yeah it's hard to it's hard to get sort of dig your claws into the earth on this one and to, to a certain extent like like one of the one of the one of the segments that i think is really fucking interesting is the one where the some kids out in the countryside like decide yep. that they've seen the Madonna, a yes. vision of the Madonna in this tree, mm-hmm. and and the Mastrani gets sent out there to cover this nutty situation yep. with his paparazzi friends, and people are losing their fucking minds, and at the same time, like the the film, like the TV, <laughs> the TV news is directing them like it's a film, right? Like it's it's really amazing. It's kind of a, it's just an amazing scene. It's totally, yeah. It's, what exactly it's saying, I'm not 100% sure. Well, only, again, it's the tonal aspects because he, he there's like a child who's dying. Yeah. There are people who are hysterical on the one hand, but like truly um, moved by mm-hmm. the situation. And so he, ha- he has to sort of put himself, you know, he gets in by way of the usual paparazzi entrance. Right. But then he's sort of faced with staying 24 hours with this group of people who have real beliefs Yes. And with his fiance, mm-hmm. who is fat, it's quickly. Has, yeah, she kind of has her own set of beliefs that she's yeah. sort of been pushing. But back. he's not necessarily one of her beliefs, as, no. as, and nor should he be. Right. So there's right. all of these problems. And there's a, at one point, there's a party where um, the, the aforementioned philosopher friend. He's recording the what they're saying at the party, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he plays it back. But then all of a sudden um, he's been like recording nature. It right. sounds like we get a playback of nature, and and then there's, there's an American wind blowing through trees in the ocean. And there's an American poet who who um, basically essentially says, "Don't ever get tied down." She's she's giving Mastriani exactly the the advice in the form of art that he's seeking, Thinking, right? but his his <laughs> fiance is there so much. It's just like I don't. I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. I'll, I'll say that, like uh, I, Roger Ebert. I, I think I read one time that he put this in his top ten of all films. Really, yeah. and it, it doesn't even strike me as the best Fellini film, but it certainly is a very, very engaging film. It really is, and I have to say, it's a movie that I want to watch several more times so I can wrap my head around more of it bit by bit because I think that's the best way to go about it. That's a lot of wrapping, ladies I and do. gentlemen. Whew, my big old brain around it because <laughs> there's just like like you said, it's there's so much uh, there's so much. Going going on and yeah. so much fucking 
like sort of ultimate ambiguity going on and the and the in the surface action of the film what's happening and also i i mean if, i i'm sort of envisioning someone listening to this episode and and going like well i definitely won't be watching that those films and i, I totally understand mm-hmm. the way we're presenting it seems so like oh, it's academic and like what right. is this film but also on the other hand i think i think you hit the right chord initially which is to say if you can just let yourself go and let this film mm-hmm. or Fellini in general wash over you. Right. I think you're going to feel like it's worth your time. There's a, there's another thing about film that we 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 often lose in our you know the Hollywood uh, the Hollywoodocracy that we live in. <laughs> yeah, I made that here up. in Fresno, you mean? Mm, yeah, wherever. Yep, wherever you may be. What we forget is that art, uh, like the the film, is such a young art that we haven't begun to really explore the things we can do that can be done with it. That's what's great about Fellini. Most, is mostly it's... people are making novels into movies. The Fellini's doing something different, and if totally that's interesting different. to you, fucking go watch this. It's completely different in in so many ways, and yeah. so that's why he belongs on that list. Yeah, and yet he's sort of distinct from those people. In the list, the Bergmans, the Dasan, and so forth. Well, that may be true. Now, can we move to our onto our second movie? I have here? no issue moving on to 1963's Eight, Eight and, and, a, and half. a Half. Okay, this might be it's the prequel to Ten. This is my one. This this I got about halfway through this movie, and it was in my top five movies of all time. Okay. I can't. I fucking can rave about this movie. This movie yeah. blew my goddamn mind. There's no question that I like this movie a lot more than mm-hmm. La, La Dolce Vita, which I liked already yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. But this is a, a, it's a fine. I mean, everything from the print stock, it, yep. it, like from the get go, is in, intensely amazing about this film. It's incredibly engaging all the way around. No question about it. I mean, uh, film stock is even better. Even the print of what that I saw was was so much better. Yeah, La Dolce Vita was a bad print, by the it way, was, that yeah. we watched. But that's okay. Um, but but there are there are like moments of the human soul being yep. exposed. There are moments of like just this crazy. It's like fucking honesty. It's like what art should be. Yeah, and it, and God, it was, I hate to sound like this, but I'm fucking. No. But I love this goddamn movie. And to get to it, it has it has to be even stranger than La Dolce Vita. Yeah, in, in so many ways. Yes, more 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 over the top in its strangeness. Definitely, it's definitely like it's funnier too. It's absolutely it's hilarious, actually. It's, yeah, it absolutely it's it's grabbing a hold of surrealism and mm-hmm. not letting go. It's. Bringing it's just surrealism. It's like realism is at the service of surrealism almost in this movie. Yeah, and it, and and just to sort of like um, pinpoint what you're talking about from a, a starting point uh, that was awkward, but um, that it's a it's a meta film. Yes, it's a meta film. It's a film about a director who can't figure out how to make his next film. Yeah, and the name of the movie is Eight and a Half because it, because Fellini yep. considered it his Eight and a Half. He made seven films and like th- this is seven, and three yeah. or two like half films, right? Short films. And so this was his eight and a half movie. Yeah. So, uh, so it's yeah, it's a, fun, it's a commentary about him. Mastroianni is in it. He plays a director who he's is wearing sunglasses, by the way, uh, oh. all the time, and all much less much less annoying here than in La Strada, where no La Dolce Vita, where everything yeah. is is so dark. You right. know, The whole thing. Um, but uh, but he's he is the king of this one, and now he's he's wearing this hat. He's wearing a hat and sunglasses, and and also I, I should say that like I mean I was kind of embarrassed that like I I consider I'm a huge fan of Woody Allen to mm-hmm. the point where like one of my f- maybe top five Woody Allen films is a film called Stardust Memory, and I always considered like 
I have this little secret Woody Allen film that a lot of people didn't like, but I <laughs> I can really see the insights. Sure. And I, and after this, I'm like, oh, he took so much from this film for that film. Really? Unquestionably. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I've never seen Stardust Memory. Okay. Well, we'll have to go over it one time. But mm-hmm. you'll I think you'll see what I'm talking about. But yeah. So so uh, Mastriani plays a uh, he plays Fellini is what he does. He's basically yeah exactly. Yeah. And and I know uh, I've read somewhere that uh, Fellini gets a lot of um, criticism for being uh, what do you what what is that. What, uh, anti-woman. What's that again? Misogynist. Misogynistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he he gets a, he gets credited for being that a lot. And there's a scene mm-hmm. in this movie, yeah, that is amazing. In that it is uh, it is like it's this it's like a dream. It's in a dream. Well, there's it so ha- many in this film. Exactly. Yeah. Well, a lot of this is dreams, waking, waking dreams that happens. But this remembrances is- that could be dreams or just remembrances, right? Or maybe not. Maybe it's his brain oh. having problems. Having- oh, it's ahead. hard to tell. But yeah. there's this one scene that is like one of the greatest deconstructions of male female of a male's opinion of, of a male's perspective of how females. This is the bathing behave. scene. The bathing yeah. scene is amazing. Yeah. That blew my goddamn mind. All right, well, well so, so no one's gonna know what you're talking about, although I, I completely agree with you, with with your premise. But basically, it's just sort of, let's go back to, it's the idea that this filmmaker, he he um, he's stuck, he can't make a film. By the right. way, it also made me think of a film that you and I grew up on instead of Fellini, because we're products of your dad. SOB? SOB. <laughs> which is a film I love. Wow. Well, this is... Oh my god! Yeah, so be, anyway, so 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 he's he's um, sent to initially get the rest cure. I didn't understand for like five minutes that it, that it was just that he was simply blocked in his film. I was wondering if he had like a disease or something. So he's, he's, I thought so too. Yeah, he's taking the rest cure, which really is just like his way of, of getting away from Rome, right? The mainstream, under the country, away from people, which is bullshit. Because one of the people he immediately brings with him is a film critic to outline right. all of his failings, right? And who immediately follows him to the same thing is everybody in the production of his film. Every Everyone and, they all show ends up, up in a this. car in, in a couple of days yeah, or hours. It, so he's in this. So yeah, he's uh, taking the rescuer literally <laughs> at a place that serves you know serves the waters. Right, right. I love. I'm, I'm sure somebody who knows this shit would know what this place was. It yeah. looked like it was famous or something. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, so he's he's so you know he's taking the waters and trying to clear his brain and become creative. And he just can't, and he almost can't seem to care about it in a he sense. Can't. And he doesn't care about it except that people keep nagging him about it. And of course, he's got all these things on the outskirts. He's got <laughs> he's got a sort of like estranged wife. Mm-hmm. He's got um, a, a lover, right? Um, this woman he's having an affair with. All of a sudden, she shows up, so he puts her up at the ho- like the next uh, door hotel. Bubalina, yeah, because she's she's a she's a sort of um, vivacious, um, a little past her prime. Yeah. Um, bubbly party, <laughs> bubbly party girl, you know, yeah, who loves yeah, to yeah. fuck and yeah. and has found a kind of a nice meal ticket here that she likes. Exactly, and she keeps talking about she's, her husband. She can be con- nothing but pleasant, except that she's annoying. And she's a, a con- completely annoying person, yeah. and he's annoyed by her, but he can't. He sort of right. wants her at the same time. Um, and, and and all of these sort of women, and, and the mysterious. He, he sees a friend there. Yeah, the he hasn't seen for a long perfect time. Woman the perfect appears woman appears at the spa. You know? um, and and he's collecting all these ideas of women. And then we get these these amazing sort of like I, I guess flashbacks, I guess dreams. This whole like absurd um, dance on the beach with him as a child dancing with a pro, uh, oh, a, a Roman prostitute. prostitute. Yep, yep, yep. Um, well, it's like yeah, it's like well, because because it's also it's a, it's a you know like. Uh, the development of a young man because 
because it follows mm-hmm. a lot of his childhood into his manhood, and that's a part of it, like the the horror that's sort of introduced and yeah. you think to sex yeah, that's yeah. intimated in it, but it doesn't come through because it's a dream sequence, you know. And also, like I, I mean, there's just little elements that are like so over the top, but you understand. I think I I think I understood that they were over the top, but also in kind of he's making fun of himself. He's yeah. making fun of his sur- surrealistic moves. So the movie starts with him in a traffic jam and then suddenly um, he's floating away like a balloon like right. tied to a, a rope like and, in a Roman traffic jam like one of the worst traffic jams in the world and he's hovering like, above the traffic jam right. like a balloon tied to a rope and someone's tugging him down to earth and it's like it's so absurd and, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm also thinking of um, Terry Gilliam like Brazil yeah. I mean this is sort of like how much was taken clearly from Fellini. I'm oh, very yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited by this Fellini character. I am too, man. This guy's fucking amazing. I the, think he's got a the future. The characters that you think. Yeah. The characters that he that he has in his film. Like just, okay, the meta element of having the critic there mm-hmm. throughout the film just popping in yeah. and commenting on almost exactly what's happening And another thing moment. that was stolen by other great filmmakers, the idea that's, that when he starts to kind of get started on the film, he's got this halfway, it's a science fiction film. We right. finally are given to understand it. He's got this. It's about this, truth. Yeah, okay. and, and and he's got this sort of like ridiculous spaceship set on the beach mm-hmm. um, and he's doing um, he's doing uh, uh, screen tests yeah with actors and and of course the actors are going crazy he's like how many scenes am I in five or maybe eight I don't, I'm not really sure um, because he has no idea what this movie is no gonna idea be and then when he shows like he finally gets some screen tests done and they're just reviewing them and the, the makeshift theater there everyone is completely and rightfully insulted because <laughs> they're caricatures of what he thinks of them in real life including his estranged wife who's come to visit him right um, and then sees a version of herself on screen through a character that he's kind of developing right. mm-hmm uh, and he wants insanity. to be an artist. He wants this movie to be about <laughs> truth. What in the fuck is that? And that's ultimately what this movie comes down to, in a sense. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. That ending is is. It's all crazy. Crazy beautiful, man. It's yeah. Just crazy. It's, it's it's like this this carousel of all the characters in the film that represent people from his life, from before and and present. Yeah. Sort of circling around in this carousel with this light on them, and it's just this. That didn't sound interesting at all, but it's so no. I totally great. know what you're saying, and this is this is very very Fellini esque episode. In the way that many people might just be like, I don't know what they're talking about, but <laughs> that's well, you might because we're talking about Fellini, yeah. so there's no way to know. And if that's a problem, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also would just implore you to watch, especially if you're going to choose this one, eight and a half, because it's just a pleasure to let it, it move you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's go through like top. Let's come up with a couple of the name of a couple of directors who are directly influenced by Fellini. Woody Allen for sure. Oh, Terry Gilliam, absolutely. Yeah. Who else? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, that fucking went no. There are definitely others. I'm just I just feel under pressure, but there are, there are unquestionably others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and others. And then there's yeah, Wes Anderson. <laughs> oh, uh, with like the fucking Wes Anderson. Uh, I, wait, I you, I let that slip before. What do you mean? Well, because his I mean he's got a definite love of of uh, surrealism via symbolism and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Okay. It definitely has it definitely has a grandfather in Fellini. But the one I think mm. though actually the okay so um mm-hmm. what was the name of that the porpoise the the old porpoise. No, the movie from last year um, with... Uh, porpoisino. You could probably help at this fucking point, porpoisino. but you can't be bothered to do that stupid cocksucker. <laughs> um, anyways, there was this movie... Uh, it was about know. a porpoise. Never mind. 
What was it about? I try to know. It's the thing where you got to be in a relationship, and if you didn't get in oh, a relationship. Oh, the lobster. That was it. The lobster. <laughs> the fucking lobster. All right. Whatever. The piss. Dumb guy. No, the love, love, It's the Greek. I forget his name. It's a very similar. There's a feeling that's definitely. I forget that guy. It's almost a linear progression to that movie. It's So that's a way, by the way. I forget the guy. Could you become a lobster? I won't even eat you. I'll fucking walk you around on a goddamn leash. does not help at all. My lobster co You could have just said mammal. That would have been as helpful as saying porpoise, but he was a sea creature. It's a Greek, the <laughs> Greek director. He did Dogtooth. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a Lobster. He did, I think, one I haven't seen called Killing of, of the Sacred Deer. And that's another one. I guess really this will turn some people away because I frankly do not understand the people who watched the Lobster and were like, that was terrible. I just don't understand how you watch that and think that's terrible. Yeah. I understand that it's edgy and it's different. It's and, difficult. And it's difficult. It's definitely difficult. But but the people who say that about like the lobster are mm. not people who who I'm like, well, they must not be smart. They're people I know who are very intelligent. You know, who just, you know who those people are? They're people who should go out and watch the fucking porpoise. On porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> Watching you struggle with my own Fellini uh, joy, sir. I'm going to go suck some Dolce Vita. Hmm. All right. So anyway, I guess what we're saying is go watch yourself some Fellini. Because I think oh. we're going to watch some more. Oh, yeah, I've got to watch more Fellini. I don't care. I'm, whether it's for Finleys or not. I mean, I just, I just want to watch more Fellini. Oh, don't worry. We'll milk that shit for the Fellinis, too. Let's milk a little Fellini. Let's milk a little Let's milk a little cannelloni here. What <laughs> the fuck is wrong with this? Fellini Alfredo. Mm. Make a little Fellini on top of the noodles. Oh, God. Jesus, God. You are so fucking hmm. hateful. Hateful, man. All right. Well, I was wondering um, if we had any business. We do maybe have some little bit of business coming up. Oh, 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 Foster Brooks over there. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, come check out uh, my website, TomSmithComedy.com. Oh, there's a lot of comedy check there. Check out. Some delightful Finleys on film. And hey, please join us on uh, Patreon. We've got some exciting stuff coming up on Patreon. I think we could just name it like more declaratively. I did on Facebook the other day. Well, why don't you go ahead and do that? Well, we are um, always in, you know, accepting of any level contribution to Patreon. Of right. course, we'll continue to do this episodes weekly for free. But for the $5 Patreon mm-hmm. subscriber, mm-hmm. we are promising some- at least... Two secret episodes. A couple of special content actions coming your way. Per month. Yeah. So we already actually have two secret episodes. Yep. Uh, for do. February of 2018. Mm-hmm. So, so get ready all for that. eight of you. Yeah, no, I don't think we have eight people listening, not, not yes. actually donating. Yeah. Two of you yeah, should. Two, two of you. You're going to be up to your ass in secret content. <gasps> All right, Tommy. I love you. I love you too, you lobster cock monkey. Go dip your lobster.